Welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. Join John Bernadovich as he embarks on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals to understand what it takes to do HR like a boss. Each week, John chats with professionals with a wealth of knowledge and practical experience to help you tackle HR's biggest challenges. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to subscribe, hit the five-star rating, and share it with your HR friends. John is a father, husband, competitive golfer, author of HR Like a Boss, and founder of Willery, a professional services firm dedicated to HR and payroll technology and people. He is devoted to transforming the workplace by empowering the HR and payroll communities to navigate their ever-evolving business landscape with ownership and passion. You're listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast, hosted by John Bernadovich. Hello again, and welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. Super excited to have on our show today a new friend of mine, Dr. Joey Fawcett. We got connected because of our passion for driving great cultures and making sure that people have meaning in the work they do every single day. And we are both fellow podcasters. So we have Dr. Joey on the other side of the mic. So Dr. <laughs> Joey, welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. Man, I'm loving this comfy chair over here. This is awesome on this side of the mic. Thanks, John. Appreciate it, buddy. You got it. You got it. So for those that do not know your world acclaim around positive culture, please tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and your passion for work and business and HR. Yeah, thanks so much, John. Uh, I consider myself a positive culture architect, meaning that I help companies design uh, positive work culture that's unique to them. Because as my friend Larry Levine from Selling from the Heart likes to say, soft skills drive hard dollars. And so that's one of the cool things going on today in the world of human resources is that, man, HR is just, or human resources just becoming elevated. We're really seeing it go from support to superstar status. And that's totally exciting for me because who better than human resources right to uh, to be elevated to superstar status so congratulations to that to all the people who are influencing and driving positive work cultures i'm also an author um written eight books so far uh, with more coming uh, we'll turn out four maybe five in 2024 uh, after doing two in 2023 so, uh, so I, I don't write down everything I think, John, but I do, I do write down a lot of stuff, <laughs> but my claim to fame is being pops. Uh, that's my preferred personal pronoun. So if you really want to get my attention, call me pops. And if you can say it in a voice like my three and a half year old granddaughter, you really get my attention quickly. <laughs> That's awesome. I had one of my favorite clients tell me, John, if I knew how much I would have enjoyed my grandkids, I would have had more children. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd have had them first. That's, yeah. that's what I <laughs> Reverse I the order. I had her first. She's yeah. a lot more fun than her mom or sister or aunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say that out loud. Did we just record that? I think we just we did. did. Hey, they know it. it I'm I'm unabashedly uh, proclaiming it to them every day. Yeah. They probably and loved look, it. No, no turn down the babysitter invites. That's a that's a guarantee for pops. I assume that's so. It. That's cool. That that, that goes goes both ways, Doctor Joey. <laughs> it does, man. We love her and Gigi. Uh, is is right now as we're recording this going to pick her up from preschool so uh it's a good day that's awesome good cool well hey i really 
look forward to getting into some of the the workplace culture stuff that you're getting into. Sure. But as a as a diehard for the HR Like a Boss podcast, we start all guests mm-hmm. out with that simple question: Is how would you describe the purpose of human resources? Man, I love that. Um, I just did uh, season one recap of the Work Positive podcast. You mentioned earlier that I'm a podcaster as well, so the Work Positive podcast. And one of the, I, I noted six hot topics or six hot trends that I've observed over the last year. And one of those is right to the heart and soul, the purpose of human resources. Today, right now, John, I'm convinced that the purpose of human resources is to put the human back in the resources. Uh, for so long, we just began to see people as commodities. And I mean, we could look at that historically and go back to the industrial revolution and what have you and bring it forward to today. But we saw, we saw, we, we saw through people, can I say it like that, to what we wanted them to do. And so we lost the human part of it and really accented just the task orientation. Now, tasks are important. You know, we, we need to do something. But the purpose of human resources right now is to reinstall, reinterpret, redefine humanity in terms of the resources that we have to come to bear. And there's lots of different things that have happened. And we can tease that out more if you want. Lots of different things that are going on right now, things that have happened the last few years, things that are going to be happening that really help us accent and emphasize the human part of resources. So I think that's the purpose of human resources right now is to put the human back in human resources. I, I wonder so much as you were sharing that just, and I, I, I totally agree. And I've, I've seen and heard that idea of putting human back into human resources. And I love your, your term earlier that you mentioned about support to superstar. I, I wrote a book, HR Like a Boss, specifically as your guide to amazingly awesome HR, hopefully giving that kind of step-by-step process to yeah. elevate you as a professional in human resources mm-hmm to deliver the results for your people, your business, and your community. But I'm so mm-hmm. curious, like, as you look back, things are changing to where mm-hmm. HR is, is in a more elevated uh, responsibility because people are now, em- employers, executives are looking at employees as human beings again, thank God. <laughs> what do you think caused them to not? Like, for prior to this evolution that's happening now, like, why was it so easy for them to you, know, you always hear this classic cliche, you're just a number in a business. Mm, like mm, how they never were a number. They might've been a number on a spreadsheet, but they were a human being always and forever. How, how did that, how did that come to be? Oh, well, as I say, we can look at it historically. And, and the reason I'm going, oh, is because there's so many factors that did that. Um, first of all, we live in a broken world. So can I just get that out on the table? Or as I like to say, a negative world. Uh, that's why the name of my book is Work Positive in a Negative World. Uh, any chance we get to commoditize something uh, in, in this broken world, we want to do it. So what we basically did was to commoditize each other. And uh, we can see the roadside is littered with corpses from the working dead, right? And that's what's happened. We just didn't take the human part of resources seriously enough. Now, I, I'm painting with a an 18 inch, maybe a two foot roller here. So please excuse the, <laughs> the broad strokes, but um, we, we literally uh, forgot, I think our humanity in pursuit of the creation of manufacturing, particularly with assembly lines, like I mentioned earlier, but, but before automation, we were trying to 
make automatons out of human beings. And we just began looking at productivity in a non-human way. And so we commoditized each other and began seeing each other as outputs while de-emphasizing the inputs. And what drove that? Um, greed, uh, unbridled uh, disregard for humanity. I mean, I could just I could just keep going. All the contributing factors of this being a broken world. However, the good news is, and I'm truly celebrating this. I, uh, besides being a pops, I, we have two daughters. They're both millennials. So the millennials, the Z's, and now these true digital natives who are beginning to enter into the workforce. They have seen the corpses lying, littering the landscape from my generation, the boomers. And they've said, hey, we don't want to have the highest divorce rate. You know, we don't want to have the highest uh, depression, suicide rate, you know, the mental health um, illnesses that have come because of my generation. Da, 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 da. We can just keep detailing how my generation just sort of blew it. Um, we want to do something different. And so as they've become more and more a part of the workforce, the millennials disease and now the true digital natives are saying, eh, that's not going to work for me. And so they're, they're pushing back on these archaic uh, inhumane models that my generation just thought you had to shut up and suck it up, right? And go do your work so that you could pay your mortgage and your car payment and all that kind of stuff. They're saying, mm -mm, not going to work for us because we've seen how that turned out for you. That's not going to work for us. So kudos to them for saying that and standing up. And so that's really causing, in terms of a talent attraction factor, that's really causing employers to scratch their heads and say, okay, what do we need to do differently in order to attract top talent and reduce team turnover? We've seen it, right? The great resignation, boom, right there in front of you of what I'm describing. That was part of it. Now, the problem was, Great resignation led to the great regret because we discovered we could leave this position, go to another company thinking it was better, maybe making a, you know, a nickel more. But Kevin culture, as I like to call it, was in the new position just as it was in the previous position. And so culture sucked on both sides. Now what? What do we do? And so they're asking better questions. They're looking for different sets of metrics got to have all the good salary and perks and benefits, but what's it like to work here? How do you, or as I like to say, John, how do you roll around the Acme corporation or wherever it is you're talking about? So I think that's how. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. And I think you started to answer my next question, which was you describe <laughs> yourself as a positive culture architect. Uh -huh. I think you just architect it. If that's a word, probably <laughs> it not. Is now. It's my podcast. <laughs> Yeah. How all that works. So tell me, tell me, Dr. Joey, what that means, the, the work you're doing and the impact it can have on an organization's culture. It goes right to the bottom line. And I think that's part of what we're realizing. I know that's part of what we're realizing about culture and why culture is so important now is because it goes right to the bottom line. Gallup has shown us that 85% of us are disengaged at work. 85%, you want to talk about losing an, uh, a competitive advantage, innovation and creativity are non-existent. You're not even getting the basics done. Quiet quitting, I don't know who invented that euphemism. <laughs> that's, about, that's about the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. There's nothing quiet about it. Of course, now the antithesis, which is loud quitting, right? I'm quitting and I'm letting everybody know about it, but you're gonna to have to fire me so I can get unemployment, right? 
when you quit, you're just giving up. And so company sustainability, much less profitability is in the crapper at that point. So the things that create this culture are exactly the kinds of things we're talking about. Now, for me, uh, in the Work Positive in a Negative World Team Edition book, I talk about five sets of core practices that I discovered from Great Depression gurus who built companies either just before or during the Great Depression back in the mid to late 20s and into the 30s. And those companies are still thriving today. So what did they do? What were their habits? And so those five sets of core practices, John, really create a transformation wave within a company as you teach these core practices and mentor coach them because we literally combine coaching ICF certified coaching training and this framework to transform organizations in amazing ways so that everyone is focusing on the positive and filtering out the negative from a thought perspective, a mindset perspective, so that everyone's focusing on creating positive relationships and learning to deal with negative people without becoming one themselves, so that everyone is really focusing on that connection between their personal purpose and the company purpose and aligning those so that everyday tasks take on new meaning so that all of us are doing certain productivity habits that keep us acting and moving forward. And then at the end of the day, so that we're acting ethically in a way that serves others best and says, thank you. And really leading out of a place of gratitude with all people. So when you begin to architect, that is your specific company culture around those five sets of core practices, then the transformation begins to take place. I love the outline. It's culture is such a critical part of a business and it forms some people think by mistake, but I think based <laughs> upon what you're describing from an architect's perspective, you can certainly create a lot of influence around those principles that you mentioned and create a foundation for a business that people want to go to and work. And hopefully yeah. we flip that, that, that 85% not engaged at work Gallup poll survey data. That's the primary reason why I wrote my book. I said, that is a horrible way to live. And oh, it's terrible. hundreds of millions of people in the United States are living that way. Mm. I, call, I call it, they have the constant Sunday night blues, which yeah. is, I don't want to go to work tomorrow and I yeah. have to. That's a terrible yeah. place to be. Mm -hmm. And so I really, I really appreciate the work you're doing. It's pretty cool to, to hear, hear those sentiments. I, I'm going to get to probably the riskiest question I've ever asked on the HR Like a Boss podcast, but oh, I got to do, do a plug. So take okay. a glass, take a drink of water or have a seat if you want to, Dr. Joey, as I give a shameless plug for two important things. First and foremost is Willery. Willery is the, the, the wheels behind are the wheels on the bus of the HR Like a Boss podcast. It provides all the resources and support. Thank you to Bridget and to Lizzie behind the scenes who make this podcast possible, helping to find great guests like Joey. And for those of you who don't know who Willery is, we are a staffing firm, first and foremost, that focuses in on placing HR and payroll positions, both on a temporary and direct hire side. And then our consulting practice pairs incredibly well with that staffing business where we have a distinct focus in technology. So if you're not getting a return on your investment from your HR tech or you're struggling to find talent for your HR payroll teams, please visit willery.com to learn more. And last but not least in the shameless plugs, October 24th, 2023, on any Amazon 
website that you can find or a bookstore near you, you'll find my book, HR Like a Boss, being published by Sherm. Again, October 24th, 2023, described as your guide to amazingly awesome HR. Okay, Dr. Joey, now that everybody's fallen asleep listening to the podcast because they had to <laughs> listen to my boring plug of- not That wasn't boring at all, man. You did a all great right, job. Cool. Congratulations on being published by SHRM. We're a SHRM recertification provider and have a lot of admiration for that organization. So congratulations, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a it's been an incredible journey and a, and a great, great professional experience. I'll just put it that way. And I marvel, you said eight books. I think I heard you say eight books with four coming out next year. I give you a ton of credit, my friend. That, that is, that is an impressive, that is an impressive output and excited for you. Thanks. Appreciate that, man. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, you got to love it to do it that often and and Mm -hmm. to pour your heart into it. And it's, it's, it's an incredible, it's an incredible journey to be on, to write a book and people marvel at it, frankly, in, in the general population. If you mention that you're writing a book, that's an immediate show stopping of every other conversation. Let's talk about how did you come to do that? And so I can, I'm going to get to your newest book coming here soon, but I got to get, I I tease people pre-commercial about this riskiest question I've ever asked on the HR Like a Boss podcast. So I got to get to it. I got Tom Cruise in my head from Risky Business. You know, when he slides in the room on his socks. So go for are it, your John. pants on, Dr. Joey? Yeah. Are your pants on? Okay. I, well, you can't see whether I do or not. So. Okay. That was the riskiest question. Of that ever. was the riskiest. Preluding to the next one, which is, okay, so why do cultures suck? Like, what, what is the reason why a culture and a side of a business sucks when it's so abundantly obvious that... People don't want to work there. They're quitting all the time, and 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 businesses don't do anything. I use businesses as a as a as a pronoun, right? As a person, the people inside yeah. of the business don't do anything about it. Why why does that happen? Man, so we could spend probably three or four podcasts talking about this. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of neuroscience work with you here because that's part of my background. But it, it, I'm not going to geek out, so don't worry about it. Um, first of all, your brain loves the familiar. Now I haven't quite figured out whether it's because the brain is lazy or super efficient or some unique combination of the two, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. But you know how you hear people say, we've never done it that way before, John. Yeah, that, well, that's, that's scary for a lot of people because the, the reason Alexander the great didn't conquer more of the world than he did was because he led his armies to march right off the map and they got to, they got a little bit off their map and they said, man, we're not going anymore. We're, we're afraid we're scared. So what happens is your brain, part of your brain's purpose is to protect you. And so it's this fight or flight mode it goes back to when we were cave people and we were worried about a saber tooth tiger coming and eating us. Right? So you really want to stay, in a safe place and a safe place is familiarity because I don't have to work when I'm in a familiar place. I just do. It's a cadence of routine and ritual. So what happens is even John, when it's miserable, even when the house is burning down around me at work, <laughs> it's familiar. And so I'm going to go right back to that same place every single time. And I'm just going to work from that. So first of all, our brains are wired that way. Secondly, it takes a whole lot of work mentally 
to move yourself out of the familiar and into the unfamiliar. Now, I'm fond of saying that growth lies just beyond the edge of your comfort zone. So if you want to grow, get just, just take one step beyond your comfort zone and see what happens. What happens is a business is started somewhere by somebody and whoever that person is, her or his weaknesses are magnified as well as strengths are magnified throughout the organization. But that becomes the tradition of the company and that becomes the culture. That becomes how we roll around here, the founder's vision and dreams. And somehow through the years, those things take on mutations and, uh, and, and just turn out to be different than what the founder initially envisioned. However, it's the way we roll around here. And so when you're looking at things from top down perspective, which is usually where leadership initiatives start, right? It's from the C-suite. And so you hear things like, and you hear this all the time, John, you know, you just can't find people to work anymore. People just don't want to work. You know, you can't even pay people to come to work anymore. The government's paying people not to work. So how can I be expected, right? It's just that top down mentality. It's because it's the filters, the lens that they've looked at things through all the time, as opposed to a growth mindset. That's a fixed mindset, as Carol Dweck would say. The, the growth mindset would be, you know, what can I learn? Why is our back door six times the size of our front door? Why are people leaving in droves? What's happening here? Oh, by the way, Sherm says 57%. Another group found 60% recently. Of all people leave a job because of a bad boss. Why are our bosses bad? Why are our managers, supervisors, why do they suck, right? They don't do that. They just want to place the blame, play that blame game and place the blame somewhere else rather than taking ownership and responsibility because that's marching off your mental map. So that's why work sucks, because it's just a whole lot easier to do what we've been doing than it is to recognize, hey, the emperor's not wearing clothes. Yeah, no, so, so profound. I, I totally, sometimes you can learn so much from, a, you know, at times, a negative experience or a negative mm -hmm. structure uh, as, as you yeah. could, a positive one, this, this element of, do you like, do you love winning more than you, you hate losing? kind of thing like do you do you grow more in one place or the other i heard a a classic response to that which you would expect from someone like kobe bryant he said neither all i'm trying to do is get just a little bit better every single day and i know this is part of my journey and i i mar i marvel at some of the as a competitive athlete i'll use those words air quote as a golfer uh, I love Trevor Noad's work, this idea of getting to neutral and this this concept to, as you mentioned, and when you have negative feelings, thoughts, or uh, emotions, it, it, you cannot turn from negative to positive, at least in my opinion and experience. That's why I think Trevor's work when he was alive was you know, probably from some tutelage from his father who was mm -hmm. uh, very well regarded in that space of just get to neutral, think it, don't say it type of con concept, which you know maybe goes against the way of the world these days. But anyway, <laughs> as you said, we could probably record three or four more podcasts, although maybe, maybe as a result of this show, I've made at least a small impression on Dr. Joey. He could have me on his podcast to promote my book, wink, wink, nod, nod. So we'll make, we'll make that happen. Hopefully Dr. Joey. The door's wide open, brother. Come on in. All right. Yeah, cool. Awesome. <laughs> So cool. Well, hey, you've been an absolute gem. Uh, I could spend the rest of my afternoon talking with you, but I got to end the show like I do all others, kind of classic beginning end okay. to the HR Like a Boss podcast with our final question I get all guests out of with 
is simple as this. How would you describe someone that does HR like a boss? Wow. Someone who does HR like a boss assumes DEI to be in play, but moves beyond DEI to DEI B squared. Now, let me unpack that B squared. The first B is belonging. I first referred to this earlier. How do I connect my daily task with the company purpose? How do I see my alignment between those two? And that's how I know when I belong here and I have that sense of belonging. That's the first B. The second B is becoming. How do I become? It used to be we talked about professional development, right? Mm. If you want to think about it instead of PD, make it PPD, personal and professional development. For me, divorcing the personal and professional is an artificial distinction. It's, it's all personal. It's all professional, right? So there's just person development. That's the way you become. So at work, and I think we're in the midst, John, of the great redefinition of work right now. And that redefinition is capturing the human spirit, what's best in humanity and giving that an opportunity to become. And so in becoming, it's not just that I know my career path as I seek to belong and connect my personal purpose with the company purpose, but rather I have room to explore interest, options, maybe latent superpowers that I don't know about yet. And so I can become the best person that contributes to commun my community, my society, the world, my family, because it's all one package. So it's person development is the pathway to becoming. So someone who HR is like a boss, DEI is a given, DEI B squared, that's how you become a boss in HR. That's really cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That was awesome. Dr. Joey, really appreciate you being on the show. I'll do a quick recap. Seems to be a highlight for some of our listeners. I get a lot of notes and comments to continue those, those showcases. And I guess they want to make sure that I'm listening to my guest uh, every single time so I can recap them. I do, I do write these down. So this is not off of the top of my head, but I'll end, I'll begin with the end in mind as the idea of this uh, D, E, and I kind of, of that B squared of uh, belonging and becoming that importance for you as an individual, look at your personal mm -hmm. development, the person development as, a, as a, a complement to all the things that you're doing at work. You talked about human resources going from a support to superstar status in this day and age that, that things have evolved so much, as you mentioned, redefining work and the importance of putting human back into the word human resources and avoiding what happened in the past of commoditizing human beings, which, gosh, I heard of a lot of things that you commoditize, but commoditizing a human being seems mm -hmm. like a dangerous strategy from my Way standpoint. Dangerous. You yeah. taught me something as as a much more you know savvy and skilled and educated neuro neuroscience. I love this stuff. This your brain is either highly efficient or super lazy as it looks for things that are familiar. So we'll, we'll, we'll play, play somewhere in the middle. Maybe it's both, who knows in yeah. that regard. Uh, I hope it's smart when I think of brains, but uh, uh, neither, neither yeah. one a lazy or, well, I guess efficient is a little bit smarter, but that's okay. And the importance of recognizing when you get into an organization, what the founder's original vision and dreams were, because out of that you know, bears the culture of an organization and becomes such an important part. And you mentioned this a couple of times. I know it's maybe part of your your work positive today shtick 
which I, I love that, is really examine for those HR professionals out there how we roll around here, right? How do our people act and conduct themselves? How are we as an employer caring about them, truly caring about them? So Dr. Joy, what a great time. I really appreciate it. Give a big giant hug to that three and a half year old grandchild of yours, which I know I didn't have to tell you to do that because that seems like that's your purpose and and shines the light on what's most important for you, gives you that inspiration. I love it. Make sure your printer doesn't run out of ink with all those books that you're writing. Congratulations to you. And uh, let's make sure to keep an eye out. Before I let you go, you got a book coming out, I know, sometime here in September. So give us the details on that before I let you out of the show. Sure. Go to Amazon and put in this title, Small Hinges Swing Big Doors. Small Hinges Swing Big Doors. If you just put in Small Hinges, you'll come up on it also. Just make sure it's in the book section, not the hardware section, right? Uh, the the genesis of this book, and it's a short book, it's less than 100 pages. There are 51, I call them dots, John, 51 dots that connect people and profits. And dots is an acronym for do one thing. Jim Collins taught us a whole lot about being B-haggers, right? Big, hairy, audacious goals. The people I run into day in and day out who are truly doing what it takes to transform a culture are the ones that do one thing today like you were talking about Kobe Bryant a moment ago, do one thing today that begins the transformation process within their own culture. So there are 51 actions, activities that you can take today. Uh, Some of them are from my guests from season one of the Work Positive podcast. Some of them are from the Work Positive in a Negative World, uh, that whole work that we do with teams and managers. Um, But it's an easy read. And also it'll introduce you to the course, Small Hinges, Swing Big Doors in which Dr. Bob Johansson, Joe Sacchetti, Mitchell Levy from Credibility Nation, David Friedman from Culture by Design, and my good friend Jim Palmer, uh, Captain Jim Palmer, Sir First, uh, teach us how to literally, literally transform a work culture to positive. That's awesome. Hey, Dr. Joey, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciated your time and your insight. John, thanks for your interest. I appreciate the opportunity and let's HR like a boss, man. Thanks for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you're in for a treat with the book, HR Like a Boss. It's filled with more stories and valuable insights that can truly impact your HR career. The journey doesn't end here. Visit www.hrlikeaboss.com to join the largest community of amazingly awesome human resources professionals who are committed to doing HR Like a Boss. Stay connected with us on social media and don't forget to hit that subscribe button, rate, and review. Your feedback helps us deliver content that matters to you. Reach out to join directly at john at willery.com. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.